0: Hello. Hey, Crystal. Good morning. Good morning to you. Yeah. Welcome to making of her story for, um, and thanks to those of you that are, are joining us once again this week for yet another fantastic guest, which I'm just, I'm really excited. I'm a fangirl from afar. So our guests and I were trying to connect at one point and we hadn't been able to, and now we finally um, have a platform to do so. So, but before we get into all of that stuff, because you know me, Heidi, I can just go on and on. Um,
1: <laughs> we should and probably. And you get... love her by the end of the. Episode.
0: I will. I will. I already know that I will. I love everybody, Charlie. Just so you know, because that's just who I am.
1: It's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing.
0: Um, but so I know um, last. You know, last week's episode, we um, we pre-recorded the intro, which is not a, a traditional thing for us to do, Heidi. So I don't want to tell your story. Did you want to give us a quick update on, on what's going on?
1: Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate yeah. that. Um, so on a personal front, I am back in New Hampshire. Um, as I had mentioned, my father was just recently diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and um, is having some uh, medical medical challenges. But I have to tell you, Crystal, he is absolutely my superhero. And if there's anyone that embodies how important the you know positive thinking is it he has really demonstrated that to me uh you know every day he says he's waking up and trying to find joy in in every day and in the moments throughout the day he's still walking a half an hour every night and um and so he you know he's got a great mental attitude and i think you know with diagnosis such as this and this serious I think having that strong mental uh disposition is is half the battle right so sure yeah so he is really inspiring me and uh putting me to shame with this power walking Uh, (laughs) um um but anyway yeah so so you know just trying to move that and appreciate all of the support that I've gotten from our listeners and, and and Crystal and and just my tribe have been so incredibly, uh, you know, supportive of me. I I feel I feel very blessed. So,
0: well, you know, it's it, you know, your dad is. I had the opportunity to meet him virtually last week, which was awesome. Um,
1: <laughs> he fell but, in love with you, by the way. Yeah, like, I love wow, him she, yeah. he is something. I'm like dad.
0: <laughs> hey. You one. can't take the man out of the man. That's um, right. <laughs> so, you know, it reminds me of the man search for meaning though, right? And yeah. so by Victor Frankl and thinking about mindset, it it really, you know, if you feel like you have something to live for, you're going to live. So, you know, he's inspirational to to me at least and you know, I'm sure anybody that knows him. So, I uh I'm glad to hear that he's still power walking.
1: Yeah, he's he still is. So, and for you, you you um school back to school so you're probably filling in that free time space already right like oh yeah bittersweet ending to summer
0: but I was ready like probably most parents that are listening to this right now I was ready to get some time back and really focus on on the grind um when you love what you do it's not work so um I was ready to to jump right back in but I mean Belle is having honestly an awesome first week which for me is a great thing because of her behavioral challenges that we have so Life couldn't be better right now. It's, it's uh, good stuff.
1: Yeah. That's outstanding. And I know we both celebrated birthdays too. So happy birthday. Yes. Publicly. You I know. <laughs> oh, it was an amazing last week. So it does. All right. So um, uh, today we have an incredible guest. And like you said, Crystal, I'm super excited to uh, introduce you to Charlene Ignites Desare. Desare? I got that right. Charlene, right? And, um, yeah. So, Charlene, uh, she'll be sharing, you know, more of her story, but, um, is a a phenomenal powerhouse, um, in sales and marketing. Uh, Charlene reached out to me, uh, previously about a potential opportunity and is a, you know, great dot connector and bringing people together. And, I'm um, So, really excited, Charlene, to share your story today and your journey on. You know, not only how you have gotten to where you're at professionally, but your focus on servant leadership and um, the you know the sales platform that you put together to help women in business be successful. So, welcome. Thank you. Yes, welcome. Yeah, so why don't we kick it off, Charlene, maybe you can talk a little bit about, you know, your, your, the different, you know, various aspects of your life right now, uh, and, and what, you're, what you're currently doing.
2: Yeah, thank you, and it's funny, you know, I am known online as Charlene Ignites, and it's sort of my speaker name, and my speaker brand, Charlene Ignites, so, so many people don't know that my last name, that I have a different last name. <laughs> So, uh, I've had many people be surprised when they found out that, uh, that my last name was not actually Ignites. Uh, it has also been misspelled as McKnight a few times, so it's always interesting. And, um, and I really came up with that, uh, that brand and that, uh, that word, Ignite, because that is really what I love to do, is ignite energy, get people that spark that they need in their life and work, And, you know, there's this great quote by Howard Thurman that says, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive and go do that, because the world needs more people who have come alive. And um, what makes me come alive is really helping people and companies grow. And I realized this, so my background, I was in um, big corporations, Gartner and Bright Horizons, where I was responsible for, you know, millions of dollars in sales a year. And what I realized being in the corporate environment is I always loved kind of the startup phase of a new product or a new event or whatever we're working on to grow it from scratch. Uh, and so at Gartner, for example, I grew up department uh, book of business from about a million dollars, $1.8 million to $38 million in three years with a global team. Wow.
1: And that's that's impressive. Yeah, it was, it was
2: so much fun. And and what I realized there was that um, we had a lot of sales training. And most of it, you know, they'd come in, do you do the day or two days of training, and then they'd give you scripts. And then we would have to role play and practice. And I always felt like, I don't know, it just didn't feel right to me. I'd get on the phone and I couldn't say the words that they wanted me to say. I had to be myself. And I once had this boss who was listening to me on a call, and he actually came in my office and wrote on a big piece of paper, too jolly, be more serious, oh. <laughs> right? And so um, when I closed that deal, I framed it with his note on <laughs> the contract page, with his note on my, on my wall, and, and my message was just, I have to be me and do it my way. And over the years with that company and then building other companies, I realized that I actually do have a system uh, that I follow. It's just not one that I'd ever been taught. I just sort of created it on my own. And it's really based on principles and being authentic and building relationships. So that's what I really love to do and teach other people how to do is just really enjoy sales, enjoy building things and, and being yourself in the you know,
1: along the way. Yeah, and do you find, you know, in sales that if you're not being authentic, that the customer sees through it? They yeah, I mean, of course they definitely do, but what happens
2: is and, and the process that I teach starts with mindset. And and it what happens is we especially women who are and women entrepreneurs who are helpers, and I, I work a lot with people in wellness fields and and really generous um, uh, generous initiatives where they're really trying to help the world and make the world a better place. But because of their kind hearts and their great intentions, they, they just really don't want to bother anyone or they don't want to be icky or, you know, they're so afraid of being inauthentic or so afraid of sounding um to salesy or aggressive, that they just don't do what they need to do to build their business and they don't grow fast enough, they don't make enough money. And so what ends up happening is the world doesn't get all the good things that they have to offer. And um so there is a balance. It's about being really authentic to yourself and really wanting to help people and remembering that they need you and you have to be professionally persistent in, in order to help them and in order to make the world a better place.
1: That that's uh, that's such a great advice. <laughs> that's <Definitely>. awesome. <laughs> um, I I'm curious, you know, because we have a lot of entrepreneurs uh, who are our listeners. Could you talk a little bit about the moment when you made the jump from corporate America from Gartner, where you know where you had a pretty high powered successful job into the world of entrepreneurism and how you move through that, that fear. Um, Cause that's another th- thing that we find and that we hear a lot is, you know, the whole area of, of, authenticity is always a big discussion point, but also this whole concept of, of fear stopping individuals from following their passion
2: Yeah. So one interesting thing about fear, which might help too, is to know that fear is an adaptive behavior. We're only born with two fears. We're born with the fear of, um, of falling, right. And the fear of loud or fear of being dropped actually. And the fear of loud noises. Um, and I know we talked about, uh, the the children earlier, you know, so the moms will recognize that like you know, response. Right. And, um, And throughout our lives, we learn how to be afraid of everything else. And it's so interesting, you know, when it's starting a business. So for me, I actually went from, you know, I was, I kind of went from the corporate world to what was a startup and ended up being also very corporate because of the way that it was funded and the way we built it. And really the shift for me, that, that pivot point, if you will, you know, Heidi, I really, gosh, I resonate resonated so much when you were talking about your dad because for me that was my pivot point um, <clears> that I was sitting in an implementation meeting you know when I was at it is actually when I was doing um, this sort of incubated startup at Bright Horizons and we had our first million dollar client which was just life-changing for the business a big deal the client had flown up from San Antonio Texas and we're in this boardroom where I have myself as sort of really the only real employee and I've borrowed staff and I'm trying to build this thing and figure out how the heck do we scale to deal with this million dollar client like be careful what you wish for when you write for big deals right and while I'm in that meeting this life-changing professional you know professionally life-changing meeting my phone is buzzing in my bag next to my foot and I know about well, you guys but you know when you get the first call no big deal but when you can hear like call mm-hmm. after call coming through yeah I kind of knew something was up, and then the admin for the office came in and called me out of the office. And she, and I kind of grabbed my phone uh, as I was leaving, because I knew, you know, that might be a clue. And she said, "Your husband's been trying to reach you." And mm-hmm. so I look at my phone, and I can see my husband's called me. My, you know, all five of my siblings or four of my siblings have called me. My stepmother's called me, and so I get a hold of my husband, and he says, "We've been trying to reach you." you have a flight that's leaving in a half hour out of Logan. And I'm like 15 minutes from Logan (laughs) at that point and out of Boston. And uh, he said, you know, your dad is not doing well. And and we want to get you there, you know, just in case. So I never went back in that room and the implementation. I really, I discussed to my team to take over and run the rest of that meeting. And I left and I, like, back for me. You can imagine I had a week in my in Florida when I went to my dad's, and my husband packed for me, so I had like a little black dress and really <laughs> interesting sleeping clothes. <laughs> it was it was actually quite humorous when I started unpacking. Like, what is going on? Where? I, don't, I think he thought I was going to Las Vegas or something. I'm not sure, but. Um, but yeah, so I went and to my dad.
1: That, that had to have been, I'm sorry, to interrupt, but that had to have been such a, cr- a crazy pull. Like I can just, I can completely imagine, Crystal, can you like, do I, 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 I want to stay at this meeting, but oh, I got to go, right? And then you have to empower and trust your team.
2: Yeah. And in, in a weird way, it wasn't even a decision. Yeah. Um, my dad, like you said, my dad- you know is was my superhero and really we had he was due to move up and live with me from florida so there was a lot happening at the time and i didn't give it a second thought in that moment um and and one of the reasons is you know i one of my favorite mantras is that increased confidence brings increased capacity and what i knew in that moment is it was i had to have confidence in the people around me it wasn't just about confidence in myself. And so that really, I think, helped me make a very quick decision. And I I didn't feel torn at all, really.
0: Well, and that's, you know, and I'm glad that you didn't, because I think that's part of some of the struggles that we see in corporate America today is that people don't have that they don't have that um, that motivation, or they're so concerned about uh, the the what the company expectations are that they lose who they are, right? And work and um, work life becomes more more important than um, personal lives. Mm-hmm. And so I think you know, and that's one of those things where you look back on it, and if you didn't leave, you regret.
2: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I did have to make a decision. Um, you know when i went to my dad he was diagnosed with cancer Uh, he you know we you never know right like as you're experiencing heidi like they say it could be a day a month a year year you know you really have no idea and and at that time we didn't know how progressed it was later we found out that he had three different types of cancer it was extremely advanced so I did have moments with, even just with client calls and trying, you know, there was lots of other moments in the next three weeks where I was torn. And finally, um, the last one was, we had planned a family vacation I had two kids. We're now 14 and 20, one starting high school, one starting, one's a sophomore in college. And at the time they were little, this was a few years ago. Uh, actually, gosh, time flies, this was 2010 um but uh you know i had we had a family vacation planned and i did go on the family vacation because my dad said just go he's like i would feel guilty like taking that away you need this time with your kids you know and my dad actually passed away the next day um oh, after no. that. and in a weird way i think he was waiting for me to leave um I don't know, you know, who knows what the what goes on, but uh, so so in that 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 moment, when you talk about the pivot point, um, it just gave me such a an awareness, you know, and and also just some of the conversations I had with my dad about what life, you know, what he loved about his life, what he regretted in his life, and soon after that, um, my mother also passed away, and mm-hmm. um, and I think losing both my parents, it was such a pivot point for me because. I've always kind of had a keen sense of my own mortality and that, that feeling of like, Holy crap, I am next. Like I think when you're my, with my parents alive, I kind of felt like I had more time somehow. And with them gone, I just said, you know what, like, what am I doing? And I was still kind of back in that corporate world, uh, you know, and getting sucked back into all the old, you know, not having control over my own life not feeling like I could do things my way, not being able to be there for my kids, I was driving from Salem, New Hampshire to Watertown, Mass., which would up five hours a day in the car. And I just was like, I'm done. Like, I just, it was just such an awareness. Like, you know what? I don't know how long I have. You know, with, with my dad, we would say a week, a month, a year. You know what? None of us are exempt from that. That's true for everybody who's listening to this. You don't know what's going to happen. And we all have stories of people we know that, you know, didn't make it home from work at a young age and with no health issues and, you know, nothing else going on. Right. So I, that was, that was my pivot point. And I quit my job and said, I'm going to, I can sell out $38 million of other people's stuff. Surely I can, you know, (laughs) think of something I can sell for myself that doesn't have to be that much, you know?
1: wow yeah that is um that is such an inspirational story and you're bringing tears to my eyes because you know I we're having you know I'm having some similar very similar conversations um with my dad right now and the one thing for me and I don't know if this is the direction we want to take the conversation but i i'll just let it go organically and then we can pivot if you'd like but is i kind of wish i didn't it didn't get to this point to have those kinds of conversations with him i realized how much i didn't know about him and i'd never asked the questions and you know we've been going through pictures and he's telling me all these stories about growing up and his childhood and i i realized that um, he's always been dad and we always had a really close relationship, but is it strange to say now he's like really become a person to me in a way?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, what, what hit me the hardest was when my dad talked about, Um, his mother, you know, we've, I've heard stories about my dad's childhood and he's taken us to old stomping grounds and talked about how, you know, he used to swim in the Charles river back when that wouldn't kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I just have such a vivid memory of him talking about his mother. And he told the story about how, you know, he was one of the only of his, his uh, siblings. He was one of, I think like nine or 10 kids you know, to to get a scholarship to college, and he went to MIT very briefly, and his mother had bought him a gold watch, and uh, I'm sure it was, like, gold, you know, maybe not solid gold, but, you know, I bought him this nice watch, and, um, you know, instead, like, just basically expressed how proud she was of him, and and he ended up, of course, leaving uh, MIT to go become an entrepreneur, basically, which now I know where I get it from. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, but he, I just have this, such a memory of him looking at me and, and he was sort of looking at me and also looking like in the distance. And he just said, she was such a nice lady oh. he was talking about his mom. She was such a nice lady. And that just hit me like, wow, like he was, he was a child once, you know, and I don't know why, but I just hold on to that memory of him just saying she was a nice lady, you know? And, um. Yeah, you know, it it really, it was, it was an important, I think, uh, set of conversations. And, and I really try now with my kids to tell them stories about my childhood and who I was and what I was like. And, and sometimes they don't want to hear it, (laughs) 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 but um, especially the 14 year old boy, you
1: know, it's just, and, and yet I know someday it'll be it'll be good. He'll covet it. Yeah. He's definitely going to covet the moment. Uh, He just doesn't know it yet.
2: Yeah. Although I will say with both my kids, you know, something that I really do stress to them that I learned through, through that pivot point is this experience of being in the moment, you know, when you're doing something, do it when you're with someone, be there with them. And so we, you know, often have to remind each other, you know, especially with cell phones out and all of that, it's just these each moment you have, you don't get that back. Um, and there's also actually really good data around happiness and being in the moment. And you know, it's it's above everything else, money and socioeconomic, you know, background and and location and all these other dynamics. The number one connection to happiness is being present and and just doing what you're doing and enjoying what you're doing. So I think you know, going through that experience and and again, that keen sense of my own mortality. I just, I can't tell you, every single morning, if anybody follows me on Instagram at Charlene Ignites, we're, I'm everywhere on social media. I post a lot of sunrise pictures because it just never gets old. Like waking up in the morning, looking outside, seeing the sun come up. I get emotional every single day. I'm just so grateful to be able to do that. And and I think about my parents and I think about other people that I've lost and people that just aren't with me for a lot of reasons um you know like i have a sister who lives in dublin ireland who may listen to this you know so i think of her and and she's watching the sunrise and where she is some you know that day you know so it's it's really just about you know enjoying your life and sales you know just to tie it back to the professional stuff sales is like that too you know we put so much pressure on ourselves particularly women on wanting to say the perfect thing and and do it just right and and that need for perfect gets in way in the way of us just living and doing what our real mission is, which is typically to often to help people and make the world a better place. And so just go for it. Be in the moment, lead with your presence and be authentically passionate about what you what you love to do and how you like to help people and take the pressure off like it's you know in the scheme of things you know like just it's just work it's just business you know just enjoy it and uh and again lead with that that presence and most of the time you'll be fine yeah you're right i
0: mean i sort of led with that right when you love what you do you're not working and so you know it it changes your entire existence and what you're and what you're doing in the why. So we, uh, we definitely speak the same language, Charlene, which I was, I was told previously that, that we would, but um, I'd be interested, and I know we don't have that much time left, and I think this is kind of a good segue, but you know, how do you help people overcome their self-imposed fears and expectations?
2: Yeah, I mean, the first thing is just understanding, you know, where do they come from? you know, where did I learn this? When did it serve me? And just really acknowledging that it no longer serves you. Um, and, you know, I think the fear is because of all the pressure. For example, you know, a lot of um, entrepreneurs don't grow as fast as they, as they can and should because they just don't reach out to enough people. I mean, it's just at some level, uh, you know, it's math. And uh, if you're not trying to talk to people about what you do, people don't know what you do. And so getting over that fear, I think part of it, what you're afraid of is you're afraid that you have to sell, right? People are afraid they have Mm -hmm. to sell something and say it perfectly. And so I just take that a step back and say, you know what, don't worry about selling anything. Just make connections with other people. Like, are you okay doing that? You know, is what, are you okay just meeting people like if you go to a networking event would you be afraid to walk up to someone and say hey how you doing tell me about yourself and and listen to what they have to say and lead with curiosity i think that's a probably the biggest tip that helps people overcome that fear is don't lead with trying to be like the most interesting you know dynamic uh you know problem solver in the world just lead with being interested lead with being curious and ask and as long as you know what questions you're going to ask or you are a good listener and you can listen to what the other person says and pick up on things they say and say tell me more about that that's so interesting how did you you know get into that or or even the question you know question that uh, speaks to what i said earlier what makes you come alive you know what is it about your life or business that when you talk about it you can feel like you're getting more animated and your voice gets louder and you talk faster You know, bring that out in other people because when you can be that person that that connects with someone and makes them feel that and express what makes them come alive, it's the feeling they get from you. It's the connection that they get from you that makes them want to buy from you later on. So don't worry about selling. Like, just get over the fear by just you know trying to connect and meet other people. And even if you don't ever sell them anything, you will meet and connect with really interesting people and. That's what makes life exciting, right? So, And to,
1: to what degree do you think a fear of rejection plays into that, Charlene? Yeah, I
2: think the fear of rejection definitely plays into it. And again, that, that comes from old programming. You know, many of us uh, grew up in, you know, crazy households and, um, and we get that, that quote unquote, not good enough button, you know, hit number of times over our life. And so that's really what that is, that we learn that fear of rejection comes from something, right? And so understanding, okay, so what, what happens if they say, no, I don't want to talk to you, I don't want to connect with you? Then you, you have to, then you move on because it means that it, that it wasn't meant to, be, meant to be. And it's kind of like the advice that I give, I give to my daughter about dating and relationships. You have to find the right person and be the right person. And when you only have one side of that, it's never going to work. So if you meet someone and you're not the right person for them, it could also be that they're not the right person for you, then that's, that's okay. Then you move on. You find that because it would never work. And so I think just taking that and, and the fear of rejection, the other piece of that, to my earlier point about increased confidence brings increased capacity, that fear of rejection is often a mirror of what we're insecure about about ourselves. And our own mm-hmm. feeling of whether it's imposter syndrome or questioning, do I really know what I'm talking about? Or am I really good at this? Or can I really serve this? You know, do what I my mission is. And so again, that's why I take that step backwards first to mindset and really internalizing uh, the value. And and this is I I may have mentioned to you earlier. I have a um, an online course launching in October, and the first like three classes are all about internalizing your own value, overcoming your head trash and really understanding why people need you and feeling that it's such a deep level that, that you have to reach out. But that even if they were, you know, there's a potential they're going to say no, you almost feel obligated to try because you can see that it's somebody that might need you. And gosh, would not it be awful if, if you didn't connect with them? So you have to at least try. And then again, if if they um, aren't receptive, then you know, move on because there's lots and lots of people in the world. So that's a good thing.
0: Right. You're not going to get used to rejection until you try and actually experience it over and over again. So yeah, and I
2: have to say, like, I've never, I think rejection, like even just that word, it's really not a rejection of you. It's just them saying, this is not a good fit for me. Right. right. And, and that's, a, and then if it's not a good fit for them, it may not be a good fit for me. Uh, you know, they may not be a good for for me. I don't look at that as rejection. I just look at it like there's two pieces of a puzzle that are not going to work together. And it's not, I don't take it personally. So I think that's a big key is not to take it personally. It's just really about finding the puzzle pieces that fit.
1: Yeah. And my dad always told me he's one of the best sales people I know. And he had always told me that what's the worst thing? Like whenever I would talk to him about that and ask him what, he felt made him so exceptional at sales he just said you know one if you don't ask you don't get and two the worst thing they can say is no and then you just move on and that's it's okay it's not personal it's just business
2: yeah and sometimes they say no and um they really want to say yes and so we you, you know it's something that again is you know something people can learn is how to interpret when they see there's such a queer need, and someone's saying, Oh, no, I don't think I can do this right now, or I don't think I have the money, or I don't think I have the time, you know, knowing again when to really find out what the real objections are, and then either decide that um, it's really not a good fit, or you overcome those objections. And, and again, you do it from such a caring and helpful place that if it's meant to be, it will, it, you know, it will come together. And then it's also really listening to uh, kind of how you feel in that interaction. And, and I love that you talk about your dad. It just so speaks to me because, you know, my dad used to say, if you're forcing it, you're doing it wrong. Yep. Right? Like So if you feel like I'm just trying to push this person, if it feels like you're being pushy or if it feels like you're trying to convince somebody, then either you're not going about it the right way or they're not the right fit. And so- that's really the, the key to being successful, at least for me in sales and having, again, you know, done millions of dollars, many millions of dollars worth of business over the years. Um, it's, it is just finding that flow to where everything is a conversation. Everything is about caring and connection and solving and serving. And then sometimes that means that there's a good fit and sometimes there isn't. Um, and sometimes it's just not right now. And then it's process in terms of figuring out when the right, you know, when, what needs to happen in order to make it the, the right decision. Um, and, and ideally doing it feels good. You know, it feels like, wow, I'm really helping people. This is kind of fun. Um, it's feel, should feel kind of easy and, and not like you're, you're forcing it. And, and I, you know, i try to remind people there's a difference between hard work and struggle you know, most people that know me would say I work a lot. I do work hard. I'm very disciplined and organized. And yet I do not believe in struggle. I don't believe in, I, I don't want to hate my days. I want to love every day that I live and look forward to the things I have to do. And if I'm doing something that just feels like, you know, gears that are grating against one another, I really take a look at that and say, is this what I'm meant to be doing right now? Is this the right fit? Because if it's not,
1: then, you know, Move on to the next thing (laughs) that's perfect I think I you know as always I can't believe our time is is coming to an end uh and but I think that's a good segue Charlene for maybe you to talk a little bit about your new book coming out and then your training course because I'm sure our listeners would be interested in learning more about that and would would benefit as well yeah
2: yeah, thank you. Yeah, so real quick, um, you know, the, the, the sort of tactical thing that people struggle with is what to, what to write in emails, what to say on the phone, you know, how to reach out to people that they don't know that well. So the book that I'm writing now um, that's coming out on November 13th, it's being launched on Amazon at noon on November 13th, is called The Email Cemetery, where bad sales emails go to die and how to resuscitate yours, (laughs) but I won't tell you what to do instead, and it really is sort of hopefully an entertaining look at, you know, the biggest mistakes that people make when they're sending those sales communications, whether it's an email, or a LinkedIn message, or what have you, and then what to do instead, so that you do feel good about the outreach you're doing, and if people want to stay on top of that, again, they can follow me on social media. I'll continue to post links. uh, And also on my website, charleneignites.com, I have a subscribe form. I don't really do, I don't believe in blast marketing. It's against sort of my sales philosophy. So if people do subscribe on my website, I promise you won't start getting like these drip campaigns. Um, And uh, yeah, it's a great way just to stay up on what's happening. And then the course, the Firewalk Sales School uh, is really about going from being scared of selling to being a sales pro and it's uh, it's self-paced course that walks you through overcoming your mindset, all the messaging stuff, uh, which is a lot of what I talk about in the book too, and then also the the sales process and running a business so that you
1: really do make money, and it's not just a very expensive hobby. That's outstanding. Thank you so much for joining us today, Charlene. Um, Crystal, you always do such a good wrap up. You want to wrap things up yeah no if you want to um
0: find us on twitter or instagram you can find us at of her story and facebook making of her story so please follow us nominate anyone to share uh charlene i knew that you know when we connected that i would love you and as we joked (laughs) In the beginning, I do, but I just appreciate your honesty about, you know, people being themselves in order to sell more authentically, because I can tell you as a former IBMer and big tech uh, gal, I I know that the transactional side doesn't always work. So Mm -hmm. not for everyone. Anyway.
2: All right. Well, thanks so much, ladies.
0: Have a great day.
1: Take care. Take care.